Welcome to the Hoops in the Heartland podcast, bringing you basketball headlines from the nation's breadbasket. Derek Decker and Jacob Collins with you here on the first Monday of March. And happy March to you, Jacob. I know it's your favorite month of the year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we got some springtime action coming at us. And hey, the weather's and starting to turn. Weather's starting to turn. Too. And then, rainy you know, today, but hey. you've got the obvious. It's March Madness it's time. It's March Madness. And, and there, there couldn't be a better place to be than in the heartland That's right. to watch March basketball. And let's get into it and start with Indiana as we do every week. Um... Two losses this week, but definitely two different stories to be told. Uh, Purdue defeating Indiana to continue their in-state dominance, 57-49 to on Thursday night. And then a quick turnaround for Indiana, playing at Illinois on Sunday, 67-66 to beat in a game that went right down to the wire. Let's start with Purdue in the ugly game of the week. This game really wasn't all that fun to watch if you're uh, a fan of offensive basketball. Indiana at shot at 25%. Devontae Green was the only player for IU to reach double figures uh, who hit 11 points on the night, but just 3 of 14 by himself from the three-point line. The yeah. team, 5 of 24. Indiana never got anything going, uh, but frankly, neither did Purdue. I mean, this is just an ugly game, although Purdue controlled it. They went on a 6-0 run to end the first half, and from there built as big as a 16-point lead early in the second half. Uh, before Indiana got back into it somewhat, cut the lead to five uh, before ultimately succumbing. Thoughts on this game, Jacob? Well, you know, Indiana just absolutely played horrible, which I guess you can expect whenever they go up there to Mackey. But yeah. Purdue did not play. Purdue should have beat us probably by 30. Oh, it could, yeah. It very I mean, honestly, be. Purdue. Hey, they only shot two of 19 from the three yeah, point. Yeah, Pur- Purdue so. did not play a good game. Um, this was kind of a, a game of who was less horrible today. Yeah, is kind of what I thought. Just neither team could do anything offensively, and it's not even like the defense was really standout. It was just nobody could make anything. Yeah, well, I mean the defense. I, you got two pretty good defensive teams, obviously yes, going at it. Yes, but it's not like I didn't think defense was anything superb. It was just nobody could make a shot. Oh, I thought Purdue's defense was pretty good. I, I know Indiana got some shots. They got some looks, and they should have made. You know, for sure. You know, they got some open shots, which you're going to do every game, but. Uh, I thought Purdue's scheme, obviously, which we've talked about it in now for three years in a row, it's very easily scheme-wise to to attack Indiana defensively. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know exactly what you want to do. You want to pack it in, and you want to try to deny everything in the paint. They doubled everything yep. in the post, and it really made life difficult for Indiana, especially for a team that can't shoot it from outside. But it took away the inside as well, and then the mid-range is dead, right? Yeah, I don't exactly. know. But whatever. So, yeah, it, Purdue, you know, game plan-wise was fantastic, and Indiana – couldn't get anything, even the open no. looks they didn't make. Um, I mean, this is a team that shot 6 of 35 to start the game. That's yeah. really bad. They were below 20% for a good chunk of the second half. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't really know. I don't think you put too much talk in this one, really, if you're Indiana. I don't either. You know, you go on the road. It's disappointing, obviously, to play an in-state rival and and continue to, you know, just kind of get Suck. beat down by them. Yeah, exactly. And, in fact, this is the closest game at Mackey. Uh, since Indiana won back in 2013. The rest have been by double figures. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know. Really, quite frankly, this is a game I don't think Indiana should pay attention to all that much. I know, um, you know, you, you didn't get what you, exactly what you wanted, but that leads into Sunday's game where Indiana did get exactly what they yes. wanted. I mean, that this game on Sunday where Illinois wins by a point, and I think there's a lot of fans out there, including myself, that sit here and say, you know what? 
we can feel pretty good about that loss. And I'm not saying there's a moral victory and, you know, it hurts that they didn't win this game. Because mm-hmm. if they win this game, they they're clinch in. a tournament spot. I agree. Yeah. I, I think they're in no matter what happens. They're 19-10. and 10. Um, You know, I, I think they're what? They'd be 9-9 nine and nine going into the final week of the Big exactly. Ten. I think they're absolutely in yeah. no matter what happens this week. But in any case, they don't win. But you really got to feel good about where this team's at right now. Yeah, I mean that's as good as Indiana's looked in my mind away from home, and it's not even close this for sure. Year. And maybe that that might be one of Archie's best performances away from Assembly Hall in three years at Indiana. Yeah, I uh, agree. You know, I agree. Neither team led by more than six points. Neither team went on a run, which is big for Indiana because Indiana's not a team that'll go on a huge run offensively, but they're very prone to giving up big runs. Yeah. So staying away from the big run was huge. They kept the crowd out of it for basically the Most entire game. Yeah. The crowd really wasn't a factor in, I mean, they were there. It was a sellout, and it was a really cool atmosphere to be in yesterday. Had a lot of fun. Um, it was a, the first ever stripe out event at State Farm Center. It was orange blue, orange blue, it's really um, cool. sellout. And like I said, it was it was packed. I mean, it was we were at the very top, and there were every seat in front of us was full. Um, so a terrific crowd and a place that can get pretty loud. That's a good fan base. Illinois has a very good uh, basketball following. Uh, they're very high IQ as well. Very similar to Indiana. Not quite the tradition, although they've had good teams in the past, in the mm-hmm. 90s and the early 2000s, but uh, a very knowledgeable fan base as well. Uh, and a really fun place to be around yesterday. In any case, Al Durham goes for 13. TJD, 12 points, 12 boards. Uh, Devontae Green had 11. Rob Finnessy had 10. Indiana, 8 for 16 from the three-point line, which good. is the key in this game. And 10 for 12 from the free-throw line. Obviously, the two free-throws at the end hurt Indiana. But let's kind of break down the last couple minutes, okay? Mm-hmm. There was, uh, obviously, both teams trading punches. Both teams guards yes. hitting threes down the stretch in the game. Two teams you wouldn't expect that from Not either. at all. Um, but, you know, Jerome Hunter hits a three yep. to, to tie the game, I think, at that point with four or five minutes left. Mm-hmm. And then Illinois uh, forces Indiana into two really questionable turnovers. Actually, the one was, well, frankly, they were both unforced. Uh, yeah. The first one was a pass that went right through Al Durham's hands, which he had that problem last Sunday against Penn State where he made a couple bonehead plays that yeah. didn't cost Indiana, but it did cost Indiana yesterday. Um, had one go right through his hands and right in front of Archie, and that's just a frustrating one. Just you kind of, I don't know. And, and then I think on that next possession... Illinois gets a layup from Coburn, which is what basically happened the entire second half for Illinois. Exactly. But, in any case, the Justin Smiths travel as well. Ugh. And that's just unforced. I mean, yeah. there's no reason for that to happen. There's there's no, there was not pressure. Such he a just pivotal got time moving in the game, fast. too. Yeah. Just forgot to put the ball on the deck before yeah. he moved his feet. And... and then let's get down to the last couple of uh, seconds. Indiana had the ball. Um, it looked like they were going to go pretty fast, but then Archie Miller called timeout. Uh, Indiana was down two, yep. 65-63, and Archie Miller calls timeout and rips Al Durham. Yeah, uh, and absolutely I think demolished A him. play that Jacob, and I didn't see it real time, Yeah, and I asked you last night what, what the deal was on that. Um, so kind of explain what, what went on there during that yeah, timeout. Yeah, sure. So what from from my perspective, what it looked like was about a minute or two previously, you had saw they tried to run a, a screen on the high post kind of for Allen. He'd wrap around the baseline there and come around on the other elbow. And he got a good shot. And he got a good shot. And it looked like they were trying to run that exact same play for mm-hmm. Al. And he didn't realize that. He didn't take the screen from the big. He didn't right. roll around the baseline. And at that point, 10 seconds and ran off the shot clock, and it was too late. 
Right. And so Archie had to call a timeout. And, I mean, he got about two inches from Al's face and yeah. absolutely just screamed at him. Well, you have continued to see Archie Miller's uh, intensity ratchet up here over the last couple yeah. of weeks. And I think a lot of that it's is refreshing result. to see. You know, I you know when, when you get hot, when the seat gets warm underneath you, that kind of stuff happens. I mean, that's, like that's going to be your I natural response, I saw this but all, I appreciate it, too. All the time. I mean, he's I a fiery guy, uh, but, you know, he only got fired up at, he was always kind of an energetic guy, but never like over the top. No, it seemed like it was pretty controlled most of the time, and he get frustrated every now and then. But now this this past three weeks, I like to see it. It's I really do like, like to see it. Crazy off the wall, like rip your jacket off. Yes, I, really I like kind of like it. I do too. And you know what? I think a lot the of it's pl- showing up the, in his players. It, as well. That's what I was about to say. The intensity that he's showing out there on the court is the intensity that his players are playing with, yeah. and it's reflect. Before, like you said, he was pretty calm, and when he got mad, he would just go quiet. Oh, he yeah. would just lean he'd up just against the score table down, or, or sit, sit down. down. <laughs> and then the players would just not, they just stop. They'd pack it in, yep. just go home. But now you're seeing whenever they get down, instead of Archie just packing it in, uh-huh. he's punching clipboards, he's exactly. yelling at players, he's, you know, just yelling at assistants, he's doing every I mean, he's in the players, it's reflect it's showing through. It really is. Yeah, and it is refreshing to see Jacob. And I, I'm telling you, this is a team that it definitely looks like a different team from four or five weeks ago. Yeah. Uh they've Absolutely, some of the same issues are still there. You're right for sure. You're but right. this team has been playing consistently with more passion. Yeah, with and more I, energy. And they were ugly on Thursday, but yesterday they were so fun to watch. And yes. they and even Thursday, on Thursday it never looked like they packed it in. They still no, were trying. Exactly, they just couldn't hit anything. You're right. And they just you know what they didn't play all that well, but they still they, played they with played intensity. Hard. They did. And remember, this it was just is one a of those days that the last two years would have. You know, laid down and been done yep. after getting down 16 early in the second exactly. half. And that's what I thought, too. It's like, Purdue, it's a couple threes, threes here. This thing's going to get out of hand in a hurry. I, I thought that, the, like, whenever that happened, I was like, oh, boy, here comes, like, the 75-40 to 40 final. Exactly. And then they just lay over exactly. and just but die. But they didn't. They came they back, didn't. they fought, and I know yep. they just didn't get anything to go. And that happens sometimes. Uh, and they really didn't play all that well. But they yeah. fought and fought. Um, and then you saw the exact same intensity and energy, maybe even a step higher on Sunday afternoon. They got a little confidence, saw a couple early shots go in, which was nice. And, sure. uh, you know, kind of fought right to the end. And I know things didn't go their way. So now let's go back post-Al Durham possession. Yeah. Uh, same possession, actually. But, you know, after Archie calls the timeout, they get it in. They get a good look to Trace Jackson Davis. Yep. That's exactly what you want. Um, and he doesn't make the shot, but he gets fouled. He draws the contact, and he misses both. The ball comes rebounding out to, it looked like Rob Finnessy was going to have a pretty good handle on it, and Indiana was going to get another shot. Yeah. And then he loses it. I think Frazier. there was a little bit of controversy there because after breaking it down on slow-mo, it does appear that Rob was tripped a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but that you're was, never going to get that call. I, I completely yeah. understand. That one, hey, and by the way, and we'll get to this in a minute, but I thought this was a very well-officiated game. Um, so that happened, and then Rob loses control, and I think Trent Frazier was on the floor. It might have been... Desumu, but I think it was Frazier. Yeah, uh, was on the floor and calls timeout and gets granted the timeout. Which very is questionable. Where the frustrating that was that in. one was very questionable because I didn't like the call. From my perspective, it looked like Rob still had a hand on it exactly. and was moving it around the all the floor. And, and that add to the fact that where the official was at, he was on the other side, so he was looking at Frazier's back. Exactly. I don't think you can grant that from your perspective. I just I don't, don't either. I mean, that's just a tough break for Indy. I mean, I don't think it really changes the outcome of the game, per oh, se. I, I, I agree. But it, it still is just a tough break. They get to set everything up. Okay. It was Feliz. Okay. Um, so I, I was just checking that. But it is. it was Feliz. So Feliz had it, and, um, you know, I, I guess questionably, controversially had it. 
and they give them the timeout, yep. and then basically the game's over from there. Illinois gets the ball in, they make two free throws, and then Rob makes a 27-footer at the buzzer mm-hmm. off of one foot, which is classic, and Illinois wins 67-66. to But, uh, you know, aside from that timeout, and there's maybe one or other two calls. I, I, there were a couple some calls Indiana down fans. the stretch. Yeah, that and, that some Indiana fans uh, were upset about, but overall, yeah, for no. the most for thirty nine minutes of the game, it was a well officiated game. Um, obviously, you know, on this podcast, we're never going to say that the officials like tilted the outcome of the game. Right. I mean, you can point to you to make both free throws. TJD missing what? or making both free throws. You point to you know the Justin Smith turnover, the Al turn. I mean, there's so many things oh, yeah. that you can it's approve never on. on the, it's it is never on the whether officials. whether the official blows a call down the right. stretch or not. You cannot blame the outcome of the game just on that one missed yeah. call. And we're gonna talk about real quick at some point in this podcast if I remember. Uh, Clemson and Florida State, the end of that game was unbelievable from an official standpoint. So we'll break that down to you in just a minute as well. But, yeah, I, I thought the officials did a great job in this game. I thought that was a miss, but that's what happens. And, and you know what? Again, get them all. You, don't, you don't put yourself in that position to have that happen. Exactly. Because you have to have the call go your way in that situation instead of making both free throws. Then you play defense and you hope for overtime. Right. Like, there's just, uh, whatever. In my mind, also, add to the fact that if Illinois gets the last shot in that game, they're going to win no matter what because they're going to Coburn. And it, Coburn's yeah. going to get to the rim and he's either going to get fouled yeah. or he's going to score. Or maybe both. Illinois so, made one big adjustment at halftime, and that yeah, was just, just feed Coburn, Coburn on every single possession. And that's yeah. what they did in the second and then half. They, well, they also put Coburn on TJD in, in the second really half. really shut down TJD. Yep. All, they Coburn just, had six blocks. So, yeah, yeah they, they were... I mean, Coburn just disrupted everything, disrupted the lane offensively. I mean, yeah, they tried to play behind him and just... Yeah. Let him get it on the low post. It just didn't work. But then, you know, if you front them, you got to have someone else there behind them because they're just going to try to lob it over, and right. it's just... Nevertheless, Indiana plus 12, or plus 8, rather, on the rebound margin and had 12 offensive rebounds yeah. in this game. Uh, I mean, and if, that as yeah. a result... And that the, Look, the offensive rebounds are going to keep coming if teams double in the post because if right. Indiana misses, exactly. somebody's going to be open on the weak side for a rebound. Uh, exactly. In this case, a lot of times it happened to be TJD because they'd get it to race who'd miss a shot and then TJD or vice versa, whatever. Or Davis even was in there a couple times as well. So, you know, that, exactly. that's just going to continue to happen yep. if they if they double the post. It's one of the things that you kind of have to live with. And I think you live with if you're Illinois. It's like, you know, what else are you going to do? If you, right. if you want... If you want to go man, then TJD is going to put up 28. So Exactly. exactly. I, yeah, I, I like the trade-off there, and you're kind of rolling the dice, but you know, I think you're playing the odds. In any case, I wish Indiana basketball was just fun to watch all the time because that was, was a great a game. If you're a Hoosiers fan, you saw basically this team at their best on the road. You really I, did. I think that's the best they could play on the road. You, you they shot, shot 50%, yeah. made eight threes. Played good defense. You know, They shot relatively. 41% from the field. Solid defensively. I mean, they really didn't have a lot of breakdowns. I know that Coburn was yeah. tough inside, but he's seven foot, exactly two fifty five. He's a load. I mean, you just can't handle him. Um, the guards played better. Guards were really good in this game. So I don't know. I I just and they were ten for twelve from the line. Yeah. They didn't get there enough. Maybe you could argue, but that's okay because they were making some outside shots and there weren't that many fouls called in this no. game anyway, which is. Exactly only, how I only like ten to see turnovers. It. Yeah, I mean all the stats you can live. I mean you're happy with if you're in Indiana. I mean really, if this team comes to Marshall, we we're talking about this yesterday a little bit, Derek. This is easily a second weekend team. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean if they play like this every day, this is a team that really can beat. I mean that, the upper like, echelon of teams. This like, is really. the first time, and this is me and Jack talked about this on the broadcast yesterday. Um, this is the first time. 
you know, that Indiana's found a way to play really well away from home. Yeah. But you don't have significant consequences with this loss. Now, at the moment, in the very short term, it does put Indiana back into the 11th seed, which removes their bye. But if they take care of business this week, Purdue is likely going to lose at one of their two games. Yeah. Uh, because they've got Iowa on the road and then Rutgers at home. So I think I, I have a hard time believing that they're going to win at Iowa based on how they've played on the road mm-hmm. this year. So if Indiana takes care of business, which is going to be very tough on, on Saturday because Wisconsin is hot and probably yes, the hottest hot. team in the Big Ten. Um, but if you win both of those games, Indiana removes himself from the double bye, or from not having a bye, I should say. Because remember, Indiana loses the tiebreaker to Purdue. So, right. You know, Indiana still possibly in that Wednesday margin, which is really unfortunate. Uh, right now, I think they'd be playing Nebraska, which is kind of scary. Yeah, Although, gosh. Nebraska now is different than Nebraska was in January because yeah. I think at this point, they've kind of packed it in a little bit. A little they bit. shot. I tuned in. I don't know what they finished. I'll have to look. Uh, actually, let me go look right now. They finished. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, I was on the way back from Illinois. Yesterday, and I flipped on Northwestern Nebraska. Mm-hmm. How dare I? Yeah. Uh, overtime. I actually I listened to the rest of Ohio State Michigan, which was a really nice finish. But then I listened to some of Northwestern Nebraska. It went to overtime. Northwestern blew a late lead, and then Nebraska in this game shot. Would you like to guess what they were from the free throw line before I tell you the number? They shot thirty. They shot thirty. You want you want to guess how many they made? Thirteen. Eight. <laughs> they made eight. <laughs> Oh, that is unbelievably bad. They got fouled on a three going into halftime. I don't remember who did. I uh, can't recall so exactly. So what's that breakdown percentage-wise? 27%. Less than 27%. <laughs> it's basically oh, what Indiana God. shot from the field at Purdue on Thursday, uh, except slightly better. Um, they Somebody got fouled right before the half, and then they shot three free throws and missed them all going into the break. So... <laughs> I was just as classic. They were, uh, they were. In fact, they went one of their last six in overtime. They were seven for twenty-four going into overtime. I think so. That, that was That's just ridiculous. a disaster. But anyway, um, Indiana ten of twelve from the free throw line. So again, not a lot to complain about if you're a Hoosier fan and you know you like what you're seeing here. But back to the thing without consequences. Uh, this is a game right now where you've learned that you can play well on the road, mm-hmm. and that's just pretty much as heartbreaking a defeat as you're going to get because yeah. You, yeah. you did everything that you wanted to do and you still couldn't find a way to win. Mm-hmm. But right now, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it no. doesn't kill your tournament chances or anything like that. Uh, in two weeks, it will matter, and it will be in the end of your season. Exactly. So there's a, there's a lot to learn from here, and I think this a is a very of, good learning A lot of things experience. to build upon. A lot, yeah. I think you can draw a lot of confidence if you're Indiana from this. I think that you can look back and rewatch this uh-huh. this game and rewatch this film and think that you know what we did a lot right. Oh, and we, you no know doubt. while we've still got a couple things to improve, we did a lot of things really well. So let's preview this week for Indiana. This is the final week of the regular season, so yeah. we're really down getting here. down to the nitty gritty of the Big Ten slate. Indiana currently in eleventh place. Minnesota comes to town on Wednesday, and the schedule happens to be very favorable for Indiana this year. In the last week of the season, Minnesota and Wisconsin at home to finish out uh, the regular slate. And mm-hmm. Minnesota is going to be a two-point dog at Indiana, 68-66. The prediction in Ken Palm, Indiana dominating Minnesota in the second half yeah. uh, uh, sh- two short weeks ago and really looked pretty good on the road. And TJD obviously having a monster game in that one. I think he ended up with like 27-16. and 16. Yep. Uh, Oturu was, for the most part, neutralized by TJD. Mm-hmm. So I'll be interested to see what adjustments Minnesota makes in this game. Because yeah. defensively, they did not double the post a lot. They let Oturu, who's 
admittedly one of the best big guys in the Big Ten, uh, just kind of worked with TJD and he lost the battle pretty decidedly. I mean, yeah. TJD TJD had his hand all game oh, yeah. long. I mean, he just did whatever he wanted. I mean, yeah. offensively and defensively, he was able to shut That's him true. down pretty well, and he was oh, able yeah. to stay out of foul trouble. So, yeah, no issues there. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I'll be interested to see. I would assume that Minnesota will double more in the post. Uh, yeah, but, again, a Indiana can be very difficult to beat at home if you get a guy like Devontae Green or somebody going from three-point yeah. line because sometimes this team does explode at Jerome's home. Jerome's starting to shoot a lot better from three. I mean, he's— Here's the deal with Indiana, yeah. too. To win, they they don't have to make a bunch of threes. They just have to make a couple to open things up. Right. And then you're going to go at it inside, which is where they're actually exactly. good. And that's where all year before this kind of week or two stretch here where they've really been struggling because they literally couldn't make anything. No. They couldn't, couldn't make, make anything. But, I mean, if you shoot 35 40% from three, you shoot 10 or 12 a game, and you're making four or five, right. that really opens up the post. Oh, I mean, yeah, that really does. Sure. Yeah. Because if you then crash and put two or three guys on TJD or Race Thompson as they, they feed the post, they can kick it out, and you have a real chance of making that shot, and they have to recognize that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just being able to shoot at least a decent percentage, even if you don't shoot you a lot make from a three. Lot. You just got to no, make, and I think it's even more important, they make a couple early on. Yes. And it opens set, everything set the tone. Up. It does, yeah. They don't even have to make, exactly. If you make four threes in the first ten minutes of the game, which that's asking a lot, but if you make four threes, you don't have to make any more the rest of the game no. to win the game. No. So because you know exactly. So I I don't know. Um, Minnesota, Wisconsin this week, and then Wisconsin, of course. Let's talk about Wisconsin for a minute. Yeah. Uh, Indiana is actually a sixty five sixty four favorite in that game. Kind of surprises me. Yeah, me too. But Wisconsin has had similar troubles as has everybody else on the road. Uh, the Badgers are five and six, so not a bad mark. Uh, certainly much better than Indiana, who is just two and eight. It's towards the top of the Big Ten, really. Yeah, five five wins is tied for second best uh, with Maryland and Penn State. Michigan State and Illinois lead the conference with six Big Ten road wins apiece. Actually, not a Big Ten wins per se, but six road wins on the season. Okay. Um, I don't know. I think Wisconsin obviously did exactly what they wanted against Indiana way back in December. Boy, it yeah. feels like eons ago this game Two was Two very different teams at that point. Oh, no doubt about now. it. Wisconsin was certainly... On the uh, the upswing, and Indiana kind of trailing away at that mm-hmm. point. Now they didn't have a complete collapse at that point in the season. They came back and narrowly beat Nebraska later that uh, the next week. Um, it but was close really, to a complete collapse, though. It, it was close, but obviously it wasn't complete it because Indiana's been able to kind of scrape things back together and yep. get themselves back in position to get into the tournament. Um, but Wisconsin has been very rock solid in the Big Ten, yeah. and unbelievably. It, uh, you know, if you don't follow the Big Ten that closely, which if you're listening to the podcast, then I don't know what you're doing, but I appreciate the listen. Yeah. Uh, they have a legitimate chance to win the Big Ten this week. Yes. They could win it. I mean, they could win it. Uh, well, theoretically, they you know, there's still four teams in the running that could win it outright. So uh, Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan State, and Maryland could all win it outright. Maryland leads the league by a single game. Going into the final week, they're all alone at the top, and then it's Michigan State, Illinois, Wisconsin at twelve and six, following the leader at thirteen and five. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maryland has to go on the road to Rutgers and then play host to Michigan on Sunday, so they could very those easily are, lose both of those. Those games. are two tough games. Michigan's playing really well. Michigan State this week has to go to Penn State and then host Ohio State. So once again, very challenging schedule. Yeah, yeah. Illinois has to go to Ohio State and then host Iowa. Once again, tough, very difficult. Now, the one that sticks out like a sore thumb in this is Wisconsin again, 
who gets things favorable here. They get Northwestern on Wednesday, which is yeah, basically a, a guaranteed win. And then they go to Indiana, which is a very winnable game. Mm-hmm. So theoretically, if they play their cards right, they could win this thing out outright. Now, they'll need some help from Maryland to lose. Right. But all they need is Maryland to lose once, and if Wisconsin takes care yep. of business, they're going to win the Big Ten. They'll win a share. Yep. Um. So I really, I don't know, man. I Look, there's... Uh, there's as far as tie breaking goes, by the way, if you're interested in that for the Big Ten tournament seeding, uh, Wisconsin would be the one seed because they beat wow. Maryland um at home. So, you know, there's a lot of things to keep in mind. And I, I don't know if that just says how bad is is the Big Ten actually good? And by the way, Jacob, the new AP poll released. Listen yeah. to this. The Big Ten has nine, sixteen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. 23, 24, and 25. <laughs> I mean, it's just all packed right at the bottom of the uh, top 25. What is that, eight teams? Yeah. Holy Moses. So, <laughs> if Wisconsin wins this thing, is the Big Ten actually less good than we think? I don't know. Wisconsin's actually just had a really favorable schedule this year. They did. Um, but they also have some really quality wins. I mean, they're, they're 19 I don't think it discounts the Big Ten at all. I mean, I just, I just think it goes to show you how close – all these teams are as oh, far as talent right goes. There. I mean, you could say that Maryland sticks out a little bit, but still, yeah, but I mean... they got pretty dominated by Michigan State yes, on Saturday. Yes, they did. And, uh, you know, you just look at all these teams. You know, you got Iowa, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Illinois, Wisconsin. You know, all these teams are just so close to each other. They're just right there. Okay, so Butler did fall out, which is interesting. Butler That's an did, interesting yeah. local note. Uh, let's see, who else is getting votes this week? I'm sure Indiana didn't get any. No uh, other Big Ten team getting votes, it doesn't look okay, like. Okay, so everybody that got votes is in. But we've got team. eight teams How about that? in the top 25. Jeez. Eight, yep. Yeah, well, those eight are locks for the tournament. The only two, really in my mind, and we'll break down the bracketology a little bit later on as well, uh, but the only two that are really on the bubble at this point are Indiana and Rutgers. Um, and they, yeah. at the moment, are still on the right side of the bubble, Yeah, it looks like. Both it looks like them. they're still pretty solidly in at nine or ten seeds. Um, they both have pretty good resumes, although again, both of them could use one win to really, yeah, really and I sure think it up. Rutgers, Rutgers is in big trouble. Yeah, because they've, they've got, got schedule. Maryland and Purdue this week. That's difficult. That's tough. That's um, tough. And that Purdue game's on the road to close out their regular season on Saturday. Uh, if Rutgers lose both those games, I think they're going to miss the tournament, which yeah. is really disappointing. That's, un- that's just unfortunate. Um, that I think I think it's been ninety one since they've made the tournament. They have not made it obviously since they joined the Big Ten. They really haven't even been close. But Steve Peichel has had this team in great shape, and it's it'll be unfortunate to see him miss the tournament if that's what happens. So yeah. the Big Ten at this point, I think, is basically capping themselves at between eight and ten teams. Yes. Those eight teams are locked in. So if Indiana and Rutgers both collapse here in the final week, then they could both miss the tournament. But I think Purdue is still at this point considered to be out unless they win the Big Ten tournament. Um, I think that if they... And we'll get into that yeah, a little we'll, bit. We'll, okay. Uh, and I think, obviously, with Minnesota's loss last night, that ended any hope of them potentially yeah, clinging done. to some outside hopes unless they win the Big Ten tournament. And then, of course, Northwestern and Nebraska are out. Um, so, I don't know. We'll, we'll get into that, too. But there's just a lot to decide here in this final week. Um, so, Indiana Wisconsin, the Hoosiers are one-point favorite. On Saturday, a nooner to close out the Indiana regular season on Senior Day, where Indiana will be honoring a pair of seniors and Devontae Green and Deron Davis. Yep. 
should be a lot of fun, and the Hoosiers are looking to get a couple of wins at home. So let's kind of recap the week real quick for you in the Big Ten. The week that was Illinois uh, defeating Nebraska 71-59, talking to an Illinois usher yesterday and said that game was a little bit closer than it seemed. Um, I got to catch some of this on Monday night, and Nebraska made some shots in the first half, kind of kept things close, but then Illinois pulled away. Okay. Uh, Tuesday night was a very good game between Iowa and Michigan State, and Sparty winning this one. Luca Garza went for 20, but Sparty was too good, and they won 78-70 to despite trailing by six at halftime. Michigan State coming back for the home victory. And then a one-point win for Penn State over Rutgers, who mounted a ginormous comeback in the second half, only to lose by a single point. Yeah. Rutgers trailed by 18 points at halftime, and I believe they were behind by more than 20 at points in the second half. Came storming back. Yeah, we were watching some of that game. That was a crazy, crazy ending there. You know, Rutgers really did try to make the comeback, and that's yeah. really unfortunate for Rutgers because that really would have probably solidified their tournament. Yeah, yeah, they'd be in great shape. Yeah. Well, anyway, they came storming back, actually briefly took the lead, and then Penn State got a layup with uh, less than 20 seconds left to cap off a one-point win. Uh, and Maryland, Squeaked Maryland, that was unbelievable as yeah. well. So the, the two finishes on Wednesday were really great. Um, I can't believe that that Minnesota didn't win this game. I really can't believe it. Again, this is a 16-point halftime lead for Golden Gophers, and Maryland they let Minnesota or they let Maryland rather get a three off. Granted, it was very deep, and I understand that, and it was really, uh, really pretty deep and. It just wasn't that all, all that contested, and I guess they took their chances, and less than two seconds left, and Maryland gets uh, a game winner off of the right arm of Daryl Morcell, which is a guy that can really knock down threes at a good clip. Yeah. Um, just obviously devastating. That's that's as devastating of a week as you're going to get if you're Minnesota. For sure. You know, a one-point loss at home and then a two-point loss at Wisconsin last night. Uh, to finish off our Sunday slate. Thursday, Wisconsin. Really uh, a big-time start in this game, led by 10 at halftime, but the offense was great yeah. for the Badgers in this game. They shot it very well from the field, 40, uh, 54% actually, uh, and an 11 for 23 from the three-point line. So very efficient day for Wisconsin from the field en route to a big win at Michigan. And then... It was Ohio State beating Nebraska pretty easily in Illinois, finishing off Northwestern. Saturday, Michigan State beating Maryland, obviously. That was a dominating victory bit, for Sparty. I mean, Michigan State just had their way all game long, and it didn't, you know, it didn't really even feel like Maryland was in the game for most of it, and maybe you disagree with that, Derek, but I just felt like Sparty just absolutely went in there with a vengeance. They had a chip on their shoulder, and they just absolutely took care of business. I mean, it was in dominating fashion, and Tom Izzo, we talked about it, you know, when's it going to come, when is uh, when's the March push going to come, and it's coming a little bit later this year, but, but you know, it might be, it might be right now. Yeah, it might be right now, and I'm, Jacob, Maryland was never in this game in the second no, half. They got it no. down to eight, I think, once, but that was it. Actually, that was, uh, so, if you've ever been to the Decker house, you know that there are two TVs in the living room, yep. because, why not? Um... <laughs> <laughs> and it comes in great uh, use for days like Saturday and, and most Saturdays, whether it's football or basketball or whatever on. And actually, I was watching Northwestern and Lawrence North battle it out in the 4A Girls yeah. State Championship, um, which, by the way, a humongous, you want to talk about Cinderella story and upset, 
Lawrence North, who is usually the big favorite in games like that, they have uh, been favorites in the tournament for a long, long time. Northwestern playing up from 3A. They start four D1 kids. The sisters, uh, the sister guards of the head coach, uh, who was a very good player herself, um, you know, for the most part, were kind of neutralized. And they went inside to their big and had a couple shots at the end, did Northwestern to tie the game. They couldn't make it and then ran out of time at the very end, and Lawrence North secured a three-point win you to like win to the 4A it. state championship. Really uh, a fun game to watch. Um, you know, don't ever discount high school athletics. No, because never. Especially not in this podcast. Not in this podcast and not in this state. I mean, the basketball is too good here. Yeah. On on the girls' side as well, so don't discount that either. That was uh, a lot of fun to see. And then Northwestern's had their way the last couple of years, so it's nice to finally see They were 29-0 going to yeah. this game, and no team was closer than 10 points all season long to Northwestern. And granted, they played a pretty relatively, um, you know, easy schedule. Yeah. But uh, in any case, they were upset, and that was a blast to see. And they're going to remain in 4A because they had contained a success. But that's a little tangent, so we'll get back to the Big Ten. Uh, but anyway, Maryland never really in this game at the end. No. And then Iowa beating Penn State on Saturday as well, 77-68. to That's a game where Penn State collapsed in the second half. Yes, they And did. Iowa got hot. And then yesterday, Ohio State took down Michigan with a strong finish. Yes. It was a close game for a long time, but the Buckeyes winning 77-63. to It's closer than what the, the, the final oh, looks yeah, for like, sure. for sure. For sure, because Michigan had to foul a little bit at the end as yeah. well. But then Northwestern beating Nebraska, as uh, mentioned previously, 81-76 in an overtime period, and Wisconsin finishing off Minnesota 71-69. to Yeah. Um, Closer than I expected for that game, for sure. I agree with that, although Minnesota was very much in this game. And again, yes, that lead were. actually changed hands twice in the final Minnesota minute. Minnesota could have won that game. They very, very well could have won that game. Florida State-Clemson, I know this is not Big Ten, but I want to talk about it. The ending of this game was, quite frankly, unbelievable. Uh, it involved, and go back and watch it if you haven't seen it, it involved an inadvertent whistle uh, in the final 20 seconds. And Mike Eads was on this crew. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> hey, Mike Eads is a really good official, but they, they messed this one up. Mike is not the one that blew his whistle. Um, but in any case, Florida State was down one, I believe. I believe that's – yeah, that's right. Florida State was down one. Okay. okay they were down – it would have been 68 to 67. Um. Clemson had missed the front end of a one-and-one. One. The ball was loose. Florida State grabbed it as it got punched out near midcourt, and they were going to have a breakaway layup with about 10 seconds left to get them in the lead. And then all of a sudden the whistle blows for seemingly no reason, and there wasn't a reason. So they got together after like a seven-minute review. They gave it to Florida State, who had the possession error. So it was alternating possession because it's an inadvertent whistle. And it's been probably 10 or 11 years since I've seen an inadvertent whistle come down, like, matter in the end of a college game. But I've seen it happen before, and I remembered that it was alternating possession. So I said, you know, I was watching this in real time, and I said, you know what, I think Florida State's going to get the ball here. I think what the official was thinking was that Clemson was trying to call a timeout. They didn't have the ball. So he blew the whistle and then kind of realized that they didn't have the ball. And so there's just a disaster, and they were easily going to have a layup. I mean, the guy the guy went down and dunked it, but the whistle blew, and that was that. So Florida State got it back. Um, they actually go down and score and with like four or five seconds left, and then Clemson runs the length of the floor and lays it in with .1 to go. 
and went 70 to 69. It was pretty unbelievable. Oh, blast to watch. And I don't really know if the officials had an impact on the end of that game, but just a side note on the inadvertent whistle. Uh, really an interesting sequence of events, and you really never know what you're going to see. And officially starting March a day early because it was leap day on Saturday. Mm. Um, yep. You know, so it, it counts as March. I'm yeah. counting it as March. And that was a very March-esque type of play. For sure. To see with an inadvertent whistle. So very that was nice. a lot of fun as well. Back to the Big Ten, previewing this week a little bit. Final week of the slate, yep. and it is going to be a blast. There's a lot of loaded games yes, there on is. this slate. Maryland and Rutgers getting us started on Tuesday night. Uh, that should be a lot of fun. Michigan State, Penn State should be fun as well. And Purdue, Iowa on Tuesday night. Uh, all three of those games had the potential to really come down yeah. to the wire. Uh, especially those first two. Uh, in fact, those are one-point home favorites in both of those wow. games. And then Wednesday, it's Northwestern and Wisconsin. So kind of a break you get on Wednesday yeah. uh, is what you'd expect anyway. Minis- I suppose Wisconsin uh, still playing with some pressure here, obviously. Uh, and, you know, this is kind of one of those games where they kind of overlook things and they think, well, we're going to be playing for potentially a Big Ten title on Saturday at Indiana. But, you know, you got to make sure that you, you, take you care don't. Business. You do. You do. Because Northwestern's been close to some teams. They've threatened. They're not good, but they will threaten you. So, and obviously, Indiana had problems with them. Uh, Purdue almost lost to them. In yeah. fact, Purdue pulled one out of their keisters to win up there in Evanston a couple weeks ago with a three by Stefanovic near the buzzer. Um, but then Thursday, it's Nebraska at Michigan, kind of a sleeper. Mm-hmm. But Illinois, Ohio State should be. Now, Ken Palm, I'm telling you, is wrong in this one. Yeah. 70 to 63. Ken Palm has just loved Ohio State this year. And I get it, but I also don't get it. I don't think they're that good. They're good, and they're definitely a solid tournament team and a, a team that could potentially make a run. I could say that about any of those ranked teams yeah. in the Big Ten. But I think Illinois is going to give them a better game. I think oh, Illinois. In my mind, and this might be recency bias after just seeing them yesterday, I think Illinois might win this game. Um, but then Saturday, it's Rutgers at Purdue and Penn State at Northwestern. So a couple of good games mm-hmm. there as well uh, with Indiana and Wisconsin in the mix. Wisconsin could be playing for a Big Ten title. And then Sunday, Michigan at Maryland, which will be fun as well. Nebraska game. at Minnesota. So kind of a, that really doesn't matter at all because Minnesota's out and Nebraska's been out. Ohio State, Michigan State will be a blast, and then Iowa at Illinois to finish this off Sunday afternoon. Big Ten owns Sunday, and <laughs> yes. Sunday is the last day of the regular season in college basketball, and, man, it's going to be so much fun. Going out with a bang. Yeah, no doubt about it. So let's kind of look at uh, break down a couple of resumes here okay. as we look at the teams that are still in contention. And if you look at the net right now, and I was talking to uh, a couple of guys yesterday, um, in uh, Champaign about, you know, bracketology and stuff sure, like that. Sure. And, you know, what's going on and, and what are the trends and, you know, whatever. I was talking to a gentleman from Delphi Bracketology yesterday. Okay. And he was talking about the NCAA really liking the net. He thinks that they're really going to like the net this year. Okay. Because it's their metric. It's the NCAA's mm-hmm. metric. It's their own thing. And, you know, they've gone back and forth in the past on going metrics versus whatever. But Delphi Bracketology got 67 of the 68 teams last year. That's what he said it usually about, you know, what it ends up being. So their seeds were all jacked up last year because the net was used mm. in a really funky way. So, but they got basically everybody in the tournament. Um, they missed on Belmont, sure. of course. Uh, they had TCU in there. Um, but this year, you know, he's always said that that last spot, the NCAA is always really weird with. A lot of times they they put in like a mid-major. Yeah. 
that just has nothing to do with net at all. Just like a random team for that 68th spot. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times that gets kind of muddied in some things. It gets swallowed and uh, you kind of throw all the metrics out the window, which is really unfortunate. But uh, in this case, this season, it might help Indiana. Rutgers right now in the net uh, is 34th. So they're in pretty good shape as far as the net. So right now they're sitting on the good side of the bubble. The much more interesting case here in the Big Ten is Indiana, Mm -hmm. who's 54th in the net The net has not liked Indiana at all all year long. Which I don't understand because Indiana has six quad one wins. More than the likes of some of the people way above them in the Big Ten standings. Well, yeah, and and most of the teams above them in in the net. Yeah, I mean, there's not very many teams that have uh, part of that's just because the schedule strength they play. But you know, Indiana actually has a losing record against Quad One, but that's just a testament to how many Quad One games they've played. Right. So I really don't know what uh, what the net looks at when when you look at things like this. It just it never makes any sense to me for Indiana to be 54th. But the the point of this. Discussion here is not to rip the net because we do that on a regular basis anyway. Do that enough. Um, but let's just kind of figure out. Let's put ourselves in the tournament committee's shoes and let's break down what the committee might be seeing. Let's say Indiana goes one and one this week. Yep. Uh, and then loses in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. If they go one and one this week, however, I think they're, unless Purdue loses both, they're probably going to be playing on Wednesday. Right. Which is really not good if they lose to like. Nebraska. Yeah. I mean not that's good at bad. All. That's really bad and that might cost them the tournament. Yep. Um but let's say I don't know. Okay, so let's even say they go 0 2 this week. Mm-hmm. Say they lose them both, which is kind of disaster and then they guarantee themselves they would be playing on Wednesday night, but then they beat Nebraska. Um and then they lose to finish out the regular season, so that'd make them uh 19 and 14, I think. Yep. What would you do with a the team then? They still wouldn't have any bad losses. Although they'd be quad, there'd be one quad one, one quad two, I think. Yeah, Minnesota's quad two, and Wisconsin would be quad one. Mm-hmm. So Indiana would finish the year uh, in the regular season, let's see, six and ten in quad one, and two and three in quad two, which really isn't that good. No. But still, once again, those, and this is the other thing that the, the gentleman from Delphi was, was explaining to me yesterday was that all of all three of Indiana's potential losses in quad two, if they lose to Minnesota on Wednesday, mm-hmm. they're all in the top 50. You look at some of these other comparable teams in the bubble, this is why the quad system kind of has, you know, obviously there's always going to be pros and cons with each system. Right. But this is kind of where it could hurt Indiana this year, where those quad two losses, those are top 50 losses. Yeah. Whereas you could also have a quad one a quad two loss that is in the 80s or 90s. So yeah. a lot different losses you're talking about here. For sure. So what would you do with a team like Indiana sitting on the bubble right now? You're looking at them. If, if the season ended right now, they're 18 and 11, 6 and 9 in quad one, but their net's 54, and they have two quad two losses. Yeah. But no quad three or quad four losses. Uh, and they have not shown an ability to be good on the road, obviously. Uh, that's something that the tournament committee looks at a lot. I mean, that's right there on the team sheet, right beside their record. It's not their conference record. It is their road record. They don't really care. I, I shouldn't say they don't care, but the league record is not on the team sheet that they look at. The team, oh. the the committee does not look at something that has their uh, Big Ten record on there. They're eighteen and one, eighteen and eleven. Sorry. Um, now they they had, they have all obviously all the games listed on there, and it'll show you, you know, what they. Uh, what their non-conference record was, so you can figure it out pretty easy. Yeah, but 
It's not specifically laid out, and their road record is. What do you look at? How do you debate this if you're a committee member? How would you would you debate in favor of or in uh, opposition to Indiana? If they lose both of these this week and then win one in the Big Ten tournament, yes, I think that they probably, I think they probably are out. Why? I just I think so. That, argue that from a committee member standpoint. Okay. All right. Well. One, you know, you, you look at the net and you look at where they are away from home. Yep. You see them two and eight away from That's home. That's bad. That's really Road bad. Road record's bad. That's really bad. And are they going to be playing any home games? Nope. So, but they're all neutral sites, so it's not really two un- road understandable, games. Understandable. Understandable. And Indiana is... And they and you also can't discount, they had not either of these two tournament teams, but uh, they're both semi, they're both quad two wins. They had a neutral site win at MSG over UConn yep. and a neutral site win over uh, Notre right. Dame at Bankers Life. You're absolutely right. So, But then you look at the fact that you have a losing record in quad two. Yeah. You have a losing record in quad one. Yes. That's concerning. I understand that you have a lot of quad one wins. Okay. But having a losing record in quad two, I feel like could really damage Indiana's resume, how it looks to yeah. these committee members. I feel like, um, you know, that win against Minnesota is absolutely vital to, to so bring them to three and two then in quad two. And then let's just presume that they lose to Wisconsin. That'd take them to six and 10 in quad one, correct? That's right. I think that that's good enough. So here's the deal uh, Indiana right now um, is, well, actually, that was before yesterday's game at Illinois. So the bracket matrix hasn't been updated. Yet today, they were a nine seed coming into the day yesterday, uh, projected to be a ten seed. I'm sure today after that loss, mm-hmm. and so is Rutgers, by the way. But we'll look at Rutgers here in a minute. Okay. Um, now, what do you think? What from your perspective? Well, I'm definitely not biased at all. Um, right. But I was uh, trying to look at it from as unbiased a perspective as humanly possible. Well, I'm going to look at it from two different perspectives. Okay. I'm going to look at it from a realistic basketball fan perspective. Versus the NCAA tournament committee perspective. Well, I'm trying to look at this from an NCAA tournament. Right. Okay, go ahead. I think you're right on the perspective because on the NCAA tournament committee, which is really highly unfortunate, they are going to look at Indiana and see their 54th in net and dismiss them if they are close to the bubble. Yes. Now, right now, they don't have an argument to keep them out. There's no argument to keep Indiana out of the tournament if the season ended today, right now. Season ended right now. There is absolutely no question that Indiana has to be in this tournament. Now, the committee could kind of shemay them a little bit and put them at an 11 seed, which would really suck. That would suck. But in in reality, again, as long as you stay out of the first four, you're in pretty good shape because you get to play a six seed and then potentially a three seed if you win that. So, whatever. But I think that's a hose job if Indiana gets uh, an 11 seed right now. They're solidly in the tournament. They should not be even at this moment on the bubble. A loss Wednesday brings them a lot closer to the bubble, and Saturday pushes them to the brink. Right, exactly. Saturday pushes them. I think they lose both this week. It pushes them to, I mean, like, we're talking, like, first team out or last team in. I think they are that, again, they are right there as they are sitting right on the bubble. And if that happens, they're going to be sitting on the wrong side of the bubble on Sunday mm-hmm. because that's what's going to happen when they're when the net is not your friend and you have that and you're sitting right on the bubble, that's a problem. Yeah. So you have to keep yourself away from the bubble. There's some years where you could say, okay, you can kind of manage, you could afford to be on the bubble a little mm-hmm. bit. Obviously, you never want to be on the bubble anyway because you don't know how many bid stealers you're going to get during champ week um, with conference tournament champions swooping in. So you just don't know on that front. 
Um, and like teams from the SoCon, ETSU is probably going to make it in as an at-large. So, Which I think is... Well, you just... It's, it's a Belmont. Yeah, it's not really Belmont. I mean, it is e- a Belmont. Well, their net is better than Indiana, so I got it. Their net's forty-one. Yeah, and their overall record's twenty-four and four, and they're eleven and three on the road, which is nice. But you know, if you really look at their, let's break down their resume real quick. Okay, if we have to, because it's do. atrocious. It's absolutely they're atrocious. one and two in quad one. Their best win is LSU, which was a good win, and then they lost to Kansas and lost to Furman, and that's it. They don't have. They have not played a single. Okay, they have not played a single quad one game at home this year, and they've played mm-hmm. one singular quad one game or quad two game at home. Every other home game has been quad three or quad four, and their only win uh, at home against quad one or two is Furman. And yeah. they have a loss to number 132, North Dakota State. Don't are ask me see, how are these you, things are, you, are, are you seeing what I'm saying now? I agree with you. I agree I mean, with that you. that is unbelievable. We are on the same page. Their strength of schedule is 131, which I don't necessarily think you should always take into strength of schedule, whatever. But you have to realize what they've done, and they have three blemishes in six tries in the quad one and two. They're three and three in quad one and two. That's not very good. That's not good. And a horrible loss to 132, whatever. That's... Stupid that they're going to make the tournament, and well, obviously they're they thirteen spots ahead of India. It's not even like it's close. It's, it's not possible. even close. Now it is possible that if they do lose in the SoCon tournament, that could knock them off. Because if they lose to somebody else bad, then they might be off the bubble, and the the committee might not have sympathy for them. But in any case, Indiana. I just think right now, it just feels like every time Indiana's going to lose, you know, they're going to lose to somebody like that. Like every, if you are the last team. You are going to get screwed if you are a big team. If you are a uh, a Power Five team, you are going to get hosed on Selection Sunday. Apparently, based on what the committee has done in the past, you're going to get hosed on Selection Sunday if you're one of the last one or two teams that get in the tournament. Which I just think is absolutely ridiculous. Well, it's part of the it's part of the deal, though. Yeah. Obviously, Indiana can control themselves. Now we don't really know. There's the this is the really interesting case, which is much more interesting even than Rutgers right now because Rutgers is still in good shape in net. But Indiana is such a weird case because they do have those quad one wins. They don't have a lot of bad losses. They have two losses that are semi-questionable, but that's it. I mean, uh, a home loss to Purdue and a home loss to Arkansas, and that's it? Yeah. I mean, really? We're going to keep them out of the tournament for that? And they have six quad one wins? That's what I'm saying. Um, but they have a lot of quad I don't one think losses, so. bro. Yeah. Whatever, dude. Yeah, you try exactly. playing in the Big Ten. <laughs> exactly. Like, what, what is your problem? Like, no, the committee never respects the Big Ten enough. It never does. And I'm definitely not biased on that front either. But I think you could look at that from an outsider's perspective and say, you know, the committee really does screw the Big Ten sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, so, I don't know. If you ask me right now, if you ask me right now, Indiana is solidly, obviously, in the tournament. Yep. They lose these two. Gets a little hairy Unless fast. they, well, unless they win, like, Wednesday and Thursday, and then they'd have to win Friday to feel more comfortable. But unless they win at least two in the Big Ten tournament, then I think you're probably right. I think they're out. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to miss the tournament if yeah. they lose these two this now, week. Now, if they if they win two in the Big Ten tournament, then I think they, they've played themselves back into the tournament. Right. I, I also agree. But, but if it comes down to them and like, like a team like ETSU, yep. it's going to be ETSU every time because they've shown year after year that that's what they do, uh-huh. and they it just is. don't care about Power 5 conferences no. when it comes down they to the don't. last spot, and they're just going to give it to somebody who has a lot of wins, but 
is not never ever going to win a game in the tournament. According so. to the bracket matrix right now, here are the teams that are on the bubble. Cincinnati has actually slipped back in after that big win on Saturday over Wichita State. Uh, Stanford is on the bubble as well, but they are currently in, as well as Utah State, Providence, Wichita State, and Rhode Island. Now, first four out, North Carolina State, which could very easily get back into the picture. They have that huge win over Duke that they're right. going to hold over the committee's head going into the um, the last couple weeks of the season. UCLA, Richmond, Arkansas also on the bubble. Uh, and then Purdue and Mississippi State are the next couple out. But there are those teams that are moving that are out right now, like North Carolina State, like UCLA, like mm-hmm. Mississippi State. Those are teams that are moving in. Yes, those are on. Those are teams that are on the upswing. And I was again talking to that guy from Delphi yesterday, and said he thinks UCLA is going to make the tournament, and he thinks Arkansas is probably going to make the tournament, and maybe North Carolina State. So that would take out Cincinnati, Stanford, maybe Utah State, mm-hmm. um, maybe Providence. So there's some teams that have to be on the lookout. Uh, on the lookout there. So, but as crazy as this sounds, the net really likes Utah State too. That's true. Utah State is 38th in the net. Um, don't ask me how or why. At a 21 and eight record, four and six on the road is not very good. It's not good. So I not in the Mountain West. Yeah, I don't know. Again, how does this I, stuff happen? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, I, <laughs> I. At first, I was like, okay, maybe they really value road wins. Nope. But now no, we're seeing a team that. that plays in a bad conference. It's still like Minnesota a, being ahead of Indiana, which is unbelievable. Yes, still five eight spots. spots. Ahead. Eight spots. Eight spots. Oh, you are right. It is eight spots. And they're thirteen and fifteen, and two and nine on the road. Unbelievable. Yep I, that that makes a lot of sense. And Indiana beat them once, and I think they will probably be, have beat them twice. Mm-hmm. You know what? If they went on Saturday, on Wednesday, they're probably still not going to be ahead of Minnesota in the next. No, rankings. they won't be. Unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Yeah. That's not right. Something's wrong. You got you to gotta remember broken. that after Indiana beat Michigan State, they only moved up like one spot in the net. This is so stupid. This is so stupid. Why do we follow the sport again? I, I don't remember. It all comes down to subjective baloney at the end of the season where you get sometimes, like, they, it's just always something. Like, it's always, it, when it was the RPI, it was like some years, oh, we really valued the RPI. Sometimes, uh, no, not so much. And they valued the RPI less and less as time went on, and that's why they created the net. Right. But, you know... I don't understand why the the standard changes. It would be so much easier to play the committee if you knew what they were going to do every single year. Yep. Like, that's fine. If you are going to put in a couple mid-majors, that's fine. But it, you have to defend them. Like, And they always say, well, we value wins. But That's great. Well, that's awesome. Except what do you do? So you can just schedule whoever you want and then go, you know, 28 and 5 and make yeah. it every single year? Yeah. Is that okay? Is that fine? Because if that's fine, obviously everybody would change. But then, no, 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 no. You're going to play some tough teams. Oh, what does that mean? It's just, it, you know what? Look. It means like you're ETSU and you play Kansas, so you have one tough oh, game. Oh, they played Kansas. Cool. Yes. doesn't matter if you lost to them or not. At least you played a tough and the, game. And the win against LSU was in November. Yeah. So I don't really know if that should be taken into so much stock. So whatever. Look, we're going to get into this thing later as we go on in the next couple of weeks. We're really winding down here. Uh, next week, we'll be with you to close out, and we'll be able to um, preview the Big Ten tournament a little bit and mm-hmm. look at where everybody stands. Some of the conference tournaments will be very much underway, and in fact, a couple of, of them will conclude early next week, and then everything comes to a head on Sunday afternoon on uh, CBS. And I think they went back to a one-hour show this year, so that nice. should be uh, a lot of fun, a lot more efficient. Sometimes that thing 
got out of hand oh. for a couple of years where it went to two hours. Brad and in that two hour ever. year, it got leaked. And then yeah, found out that was the year, that was 2016, where Indiana was playing Kentucky that year, uh, or in the second round, which is obviously matched up, which that is what the committee does. The committee doesn't hide that fact that they will match up teams that they think will be an interesting matchup. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's not, that's always been a given. So there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but with that being said, let's wrap up this week's edition of the Hoops in the Heartland podcast with our picks of the week. Jacob, you're up first. All right, I got Michigan State at Penn State. Good pick. It's a good game. You know, you got Michigan State who just beat Maryland kind of like a drum. And you've got Penn State who's kind of sliding a little bit, honestly. Yep. You know, they were looking really good. Pat Chambers' team is looking like they were going to contend for the Big Ten title really, really hard. And now the last couple of games, they're starting to slide a little bit. So it'll be interesting you know, to see this game, and I think it does have serious impacts on seeding, especially for Michigan State, if they do win this game. For sure. I, I truly think that Michigan State can still play themselves back into that four seed. Right now, they are still projected as a four seed in the uh, bracket matrix. I think that, you know, if they make a run in the Big Ten tournament or even win the thing, I think that, you know, they could even play themselves up to be as high as a three seed. I really do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree Easily. with you. Because when you match them up with teams like Kentucky, with teams like Oregon and I stuff like, like them that, against all those teams. I do, too. I like them uh, when you match up their resumes. So, even like a team like Villanova, I think you, I like that. But too. in order Maybe to still be in that conversation, you got to win games like this on the road. you got to go and you got to win tough games. Now, I got um, Michigan at Maryland. Uh, for a couple different reasons. Obviously, Maryland could be playing for a Big Ten title mm-hmm. outright. Yep. Um, but they got to go on the road to Rutgers. So this will be interesting to see what happens. Because if Maryland loses to Rutgers on Tuesday, which could very easily happen, although I think Maryland definitely has the upper hand right now based on recent play. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rack has been incredibly difficult to win at. Now, it's been beatable. They've uh, they've been able to win. Uh, Rutgers has lost a couple times now at the rack. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, Maybe just once. They lost to Michigan. I don't know if they've lost again or not. In any case, um, if Maryland loses that time, they'll be going into Sunday with two losses in a row um, and potentially blowing the Big Ten. And Michigan will uh, be going in there probably on the back of a win on Thursday night after getting blown out basically at home. And not blown out, I shouldn't say, but dominated at home by Wisconsin. Yeah earlier this week. So a lot to look forward to on the Big Ten this week. We'll be back at you next Monday. Be sure to listen to us on Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you get your podcasts where available. On behalf of Jacob Collins, this is Derek Decker saying so long and God bless.